previously on the Simply Human podcast. Guy's so sexy. <laughs> Ryan is such an. Oh, no. We we talk about him on every show. Oh, there. how he looks like a superhero with no clothes on. Yeah, yeah, he, he does. Yeah, that's his superpower. It's episode one hundred twenty-six of the Simply Human podcast with your hosts. Mark and Rick, two human beings being human. Our goal is to help you understand how humans are designed to eat, sleep, move, and enjoy. Now you can start living more like a human today. On today's show, it is Brian McKenzie. He is a coach. He is a, a internet sensation. He is an author, and uh, he, he's just a really awesome guy. I'm super pumped to have him on. Then it's another moderately funny edition of the Humans Being Human story with Jeremy Northcutt, the return of Jeremy. He was on very early on. And we'll wrap up with our Simply Human Tip of the Week. How are you, Rick? What is the matter with you? My pants just my my pants just broke again. <laughs> my pants broke. <laughs> <laughs> right as I'm okay. You said again, like is this a reoccurring? Well, issue? yeah, kind of. You so just we walk around and all of a sudden your pants just fall down. <laughs> so I'm imagining you right now because you don't sit down because God forbid. So you're like at your stand-up workspace with like you're talking your microphone and all of a sudden your pants just explode into like a thousand <laughs> like just shreds. Okay. Scattered okay. shreds everywhere. So I said again because a second ago the little I'm wearing dress pants. Right, mark mark that. And and uh, the little clip that you know you have the little clip and then it buttons and then you I have a que- we'll, we'll revisit that in just a second I have a question about that but yes okay. the clip the little sliding clip right. and, the, and then the button yes do women know what we're talking about do women's pants do that I, I think so I've worn some of Jen's pants before and I, I seem to remember that they had them on there hmm. I'm sure she couldn't figure out you warm after she got them back and they stunk like farts <laughs> or they were just ripped to a million pieces. <laughs> Um, okay, so a second ago, I so I'm standing here. We're about to record, and I I just had that clip att- attached. I don't have it buttoned, and yeah. my fly is down because I'm just in the comfort of my own home. And I I reached my hand. Uh, you're in the comfort of your home, and you're wearing pants. Yeah. Well, I reached my hand down to like scratch just below oh. my waist, hmm. and the clip, the little the the little handle i don't know the little c clamp <laughs> like bent hmm. then when we were recording we should have wikipedia uh, pants pants parts naming pants parts. before we well and now <laughs> in my hand i'm holding the little the little clip part on the other side fell off onto the floor right when i said tip of the week and it's like i picked it up and my pants are broken is it necessary that you button the button is that why the button exists is a fail safe for the sliding clip I thought the sliding clip clip was a fail safe for the button. Hmm. Now I think the the, the clip is is the primary. Well, because my well my of... button goes over. It's not in the midline. It's over. Like if you're wearing really nice dress pants, right? Well, my work pants have these. Like I have like the little sliding clip in the front, I guess I like right above the zipper, and then like over to the side, maybe about two or three inches <laughs> to the side, you can button the flap also. And I always button the flap. But it's always hard to get it lined up and everything, yeah. and I've always been af- like afraid to test it out for a, I don't want to have like a pants explosion at work. But like, uh, it just seems extraneous. The, these are my favorite pants, and now they're broken, and now I'm gonna have to go take them to someone to fix them. <laughs> okay. Well, well, I have a topic for crosstalk outside okay. of pants breakage. We're gonna do some hockey talk. <clears throat> we're not. We're not. Oh, Mark. I know you're very excited. How excited were you last night? Well, uh, by the time this drops, uh, they will have already played Game 7. But last night was Game 6, and the Stars won. I was very, very excited. Because my prediction was St. Louis in 6. So I'm very happy. St. Louis is a very strong team. If we can get through St. Louis, might make a really strong run at this thing. Mm, so you're excited. I'd like to talk strategy uh, oh, gosh. first. With <laughs> Are we not going to do... Hockey talk strategy. Well, I don't think is anyone. I don't think anyone listens. To, we don't do Cowboys talk. I feel like uh, the stars could have benefited maybe from sending a second uh, four checker down. Yeah, to provide some more offensive pressure. You, we're losing. We're losing. Seems them. like they. Yeah. We're kind of missing something on the four check. I was thinking the same thing between the pipes. Mm. Mm. Thank you. I don't know. What do you think about hockey? I think I you've know. been fooling me this whole time. Okay, so here's here's the question. You okay. you do one of these sniffs. Yes, me all the time. Yes, or just me or, specifically or, or humans. Anyone in I, general. Okay. You you break something loose in the back of your throat. 
and you're in you're in like a movie or you're in a meeting and you swallow it we you can that is a that is a thing it's not necessarily a pleasant thing but you can do that usually with no issues very no one will ever detect that you just swallowed a big hunk of mucus right hmm i mean okay you've done that before right um yeah okay or yeah. you or you cough and you and something comes up from your trachea into your mouth and you're medical not, talk with mark Rogers. and you're not in a place where you can spit trachea, it out huh, doctor yeah <laughs> and you swallow it back. And a lot of times people can do that. But Stop why but listen, but, but why is it that if you were to spit it out and it's now it is outside of your person that if you that you like if I spit a loogie out and then tried to swallow it, it would be horribly I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. Stop. If you spit it like into a shot glass and then you just drank it down, is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, like that, that that would that would be disgusting. But why but like why is that any more disgusting than just it's it's the same thing you're swallowing. Why is it it's it, after it leaves your body is it is it more gross than when it's just already inside of your mouth or something? Are you like uh Testing that? Are you like uh, using the simply human listenership as your own focus group to see if you can start doing this? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying it's gross. I think the reasoning is very, very clear. Uh, option one: if you can spit it out, then spit it out. The swallowing it is if you're if you're like in a meeting or at church. Right, right. That, and that's <laughs> not and that's and not the but that's not, that's so not the you question. You do both. No, right. But that's not the question. The question is why is it so much more gross? Once it leaves your body, I'm not gonna. I'm 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 done with this podcast. I'm not gonna talk to you anymore. Why? You're, because that's gross. That's why. Because it's gross. Because if it's just, I was the question was, you know, things that are already inside of your body like aren't gross. It's it's only when they leave your body that, that then it comes back. Now it's gross. Why is that? That's my question. I don't know, Mark. Because we're civilized human beings. <laughs> we, as in me I'm and everyone not. else, yeah. and then you are on the other side. Well, I'm sure the other people understand what I'm saying when... No, I'm sure they don't. I'm sure they're looking at, at their you know, phone or however they podcast or whatever. I guess that's really the only way to do it. And I'm sure they're looking at it with the same look that I'm looking, and that is, what is the matter with you? I'm trying to think of another another option of something that... Things that go in your body, I guess... Like eating your boogers? Yeah. I don't think that's that gross, really. Yeah. But, I mean, but, from an evolutionary standpoint, look at like the width of your pinky is the exact same width as like your nostril. It's yeah. like the perfect – it fits perfectly in there. I'm picking my nose right now. No kidding. Why I is that – why is picking your nose so gross? Like uh, – I would actually like to have a, a – call all of mankind together in a giant forum and, and let's – let some new ground rules down. I don't think picking your nose should be disgusting. Thank I don't you. think that should be looked at as gross. Because, yeah. hey, you got a humongous booger in there? Like, and I know some people will be like, I feel like specifically Angie Ward is listening to this, shaking her head, going, blow your nose, you idiot. Okay, well, sometimes you can't get it out by blowing your nose. Sometimes you just got to get in there and do uh, you know some excavation work. Right. Like, why should people be looking at me when I'm in the grocery store picking my nose with their, you know, just looking at me with their noses turned up? Well, you're like, not why picking, is that? it's not, you're not, you're not, you don't have your hands on your pants picking your bottom. It, or, or like, why, why is that any more, hmm. why is that any more gross than like, oh, I've got something like a, an eye booger. Right. right. Why exactly. is that any more, because it's inside of your body. It's not on the outside of your body. Is that okay, why this it's so gross? I can, get, I can get behind you on the booger thing, not on the drinking your own loogie thing. Well, I was saying that that's gross. I'm pretty sure it's never been uttered in the English language before. Well, I was saying that that's gross. I wasn't saying that I want to do that. I think that's what you were saying. No. A, a kernel of truth that everything you say, Mark. Gross. Maybe you're testing this idea out. No. Okay, so what were you going to say? What was I going to say? Well, you were going to say like you're, you could get behind the whole booger. I can get behind the idea of uh, let's decriminalize nose picking in yeah. public. But I cannot get behind the idea of you desiring to drink your own loogies. Okay, okay, okay. I'm a, I'm a good we found a common ground here. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, like you're 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 picking your you know your bottom or your front bottom. That's gross because it's it's typically covered and that and then it is like inside. Also, so, it's gross. Right, and it your smells bad. Front, picking your front bottom. 
<laughs> the thing that's what is the standard to pick, the, Mark? The thing that's in front of your bottom. On a, on a, got a lot of like, uh, <laughs> this is the worst. This is the worst cross talk we've ever done. Uh, I blame you. I had another example. We were talking about boogers, and then <laughs> have you ever heard the Paul Harvey? thing when he's reading the LA Times article about the felching incident that's gone. <laughs> Have you ever heard that? No. Hold on. No. I'm going to find Is that it. real? Oh my gosh. I'm, we're going to play it. I'm going to play it real quick. Um, <laughs> so just bear with me here. I will I'm, bear with you. I might have to. I feel like we need to hear this. I, I, I have to. Uh, Paul Harvey, like the rest yes. of that story. Yes. I'm putting Paul. If you Google Paul Harvey Armageddon, it's the first thing that comes up. <laughs> Okay, hold on. Let me see We've if... we shot off the rails, everyone. Hold on. Let me see if... Yes, okay. Here we go. It's an ad here. Let's okay. face it. Spreadsheet. skip. Here's okay. a fax from Cooter in Orlando who sends me a copy of a story that appeared in the Los Angeles Times. He try says... To, try to be quiet. A prestigious, uh, prestigious newspaper, not the off-maligned weekly world news. Quoting the story. In retrospect, lighting the match was my big mistake. But I was only trying to retrieve the gerbil. Eric Tomaszewski told bemused doctors in the severe burns unit of Salt Lake City Hospital. Tomaszewski and his homosexual partner, Andrew Kinky Farnham, had been admitted for emergency treatment after a felching session had gone seriously wrong. I pushed a, pushed a cardboard tube up his rectum and slipped Raggett, our gerbil, in, he explained. As usual, Kiki shouted out, Armageddon! My, my cue that he'd had enough. I tried to retrieve Raggett, but he wouldn't come out again, so I peered into the tube and they struck a match, thinking the light might attract him. <laughs> At a hushed press conference, a hospital spokesman described what happened next. The match ignited a pocket of intestinal gas and flame shot out the tube, <laughs> igniting Mr. Tomachevsky's hair and severely burning his face. It also set fire to the gerbil's fur and whiskers, which in turn ignited a larger pocket of gas further up the intestine, propelling the rodent out like a cannonball. <laughs> I'm again! <laughs> Tomaszewski <laughs> suffered second-degree burns and a broken nose from the impact of the gerbil. While Furnham suffered first and second-degree burns <laughs> to his anus and lower intestinal tract. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, I have a question. Okay. Let me preface this by saying... I believe firmly that you got to let your freight flag fly and do what you do. <laughs> but is that really a thing? I guess. No, I don't think that it is. The, uh, I think that's something that we've all heard of forever. And you know, the, so let's. But let's break. Rumor used to be that Richard Gear did that, right, which is right. so such a strange rumor. rumor but yeah. is that really a thing? Like, I don't do know. People do that. I, th I don't I, think that's. I think it is a thing. Hey, there are a lot of things out there. There are things that are really oh, I agree, weird things. And I'm not uh, here to judge. If right. That's uh, hey. You know what? Whatever floats your boat. Right. Kimosabi, but well, like, let's, uh, let's break this down. So the gerbil's in there. He's he says Armageddon. Yeah, to, let's okay. Break it down. Time to get the gerbil out. And then so he lights a match, which immediately. Cannon, a, 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 a flame shoot out of the cannon, out of the, the I feel tube. like science may not be on Paul Harvey's side. Yeah, yeah. Well, then that, he was just reading the article. Oh yeah, I know. I don't think he was. This is a good idea. <laughs> this is what happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But I don't know. I'm glad we. Uh, I've been. I've been meaning to play that on this show for a long time. I. I get so tickled every time I listen to that. It's because he gets where he, you never hear him break. You know what and, I get tickled at every time, no matter what? Uh, when I gerbils up your bottom? Well, yeah, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is the VHS tape that you used to have when we were like 10. Oh, Tilton Toots? Robert, Robert Tilton, the uh, famed uh, snake oil salesman fake preacher. And someone dubbed a bunch of fart noises over some of his weird facial expressions. <laughs> it's just like a five-minute video. Listen. <laughs> 
And you've got to put it on. You got to put it on. I have seen all that Laban's. I've seen what Laban's done under. That amazing. And my word will not return void, and it will go to that which it was sent, and it will prosper. But life and joy and the 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 nature of God. Well, the funniest part about those, if you just put in Tilton dudes, is that is that he would make these facial expressions and he would like rich his body. You have got to put this on the Facebook page when this episode drops. And he's like, he, like he's sitting there thinking, and he's going, ooh, like he makes a noise. And I'm not kidding you. I've seen uh, these ridiculous, like John Mayer, like facial expressions, and then just, oh god. And then, he, and then he'll go, years old, and I've seen that a hundred times, and every single time. And then he'll go, hallelujah, <laughs> like after he makes the funny noise. Okay, hey, okay, oh, we god. have, uh, we need to get to the interview. We, we are in danger. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, we have not called Brian yet. We're about to call him here in about half an hour. Um, so go to the website simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Periscope at simplyhuman52. Rick is on Periscope. He's just not very active. R Bentley three zero. I will do it one of these days. We're just getting settled in. Get a lot of work done at the house. R Bentley. R Bentley. 3032. Email us simplyhumanlifestyle.com or lifestyle at gmail.com or simplyhumanrick at gmail.com. Uh, like us on Facebook. Leave us a review on uh, iTunes. There's a donate now button on the in the show notes and in the store page. And uh, if you would like, if you think what we're doing is valuable to you, thank you for everybody who has donated uh, in the last few weeks. We really appreciate it. Um, all right. So without further ado, here is the great Brian McKenzie. Joining us today on the Simply Human podcast, super excited. I, I never, ever would have thought that we would have Brian McKenzie on the show. He is a human performance and movement specialist. He is the innovator of the endurance, strength, and conditioning paradigm. Rick, put it on mute for a second. He has studied oh, performance sorry. He has studied performance and movement for more than a decade, along with altitude, hypoxia, breathing mechanics, heat and cold exposure. He has spent most of his time training in and around the water and ocean. He's competed in Ironman, uh, in Ironman Canada 2004. He's run the Western States 100, which is a 100-mile race. The Angeles Crest, is that how you say that? Angeles Crest 100-mile yes, endurance runs. Yep. He co-authored, yep. co-authored the book, Power Speed Endurance, and New York Times bestseller, Unbreakable Runner. He founded and created Power Speed Endurance, formerly CrossFit Endurance, which specializes in movement and skill development with an emphasis in running, cycling, and swimming mechanics. Welcome, Brian. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Mark and Rick. Yeah, such a, that's such a, like I, I said, like, you know, that's a long intro, but I feel like it's all important and it kind of speaks to who you are. And, and I will say, and we talked about this off air, when I was doing my Ironman training and my marathons and all that, I was, I was exclusively following the CrossFit Endurance uh, stuff and watching all the videos and tweaking my, my, my running gait and style and pace and breathing and doing all this stuff, all thanks to Brian. I became very familiar with his, all of his arm tattoos, which are, which are numerous. Um, actually, yeah, before we get into your story, do you mind like explaining what, like what the, the story behind your tattoos? Oh, well, that, I mean, we might be here the entire, um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll just say. There's substance kind of to everything I have on my body to a large degree, although, you know, anybody has you know, some sort of substance, something that means to them if they're tattooing it on them for, you know, a specific time. I think most of my work was, it has been a well thought out long term play. Uh, in fact, it's, the, the irony in that statement is that it's like, none of my work is really done. So everything that I have on me is still a progression in the making. Um, and, and, and that was kind of the commitment that I made to the guy who really, uh, you know, he's been a large part of the work of my work for the last, I don't know, 15 years or 10, 10 or so, maybe 10 years now. Um, that said, you know, I, I, I have a lot of very, um, uh, Native work done. Um, it, 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 a lot of it revolves around a lot of the Pacific Northwest um, uh, native cultures, um, like the Haida. Um, but it, it, it encompasses a lot of things that I've experienced and, and been through, including Polynesian stuff. Um, that 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 I've kind of just made my own, and I've had 
you know, Gary, who's my guy, uh, my tattoo artist kind of, kind of work on, he, he is actually the leader in negative imagery, which, uh, he started oh, cool. that stuff eons ago. And you can see that with the guy, uh, Tim from like rage against the machine. Yeah. If you ever watched them, you've seen his blacked out pieces on his body. Yeah. Uh, that was Gary. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So at any rate, um, he, he's done a lot of that stuff and he's kind of pioneered stuff. But what we, we figured out with a lot of the stuff I'm doing right now is that I was actually going to have some stuff branded on me and he oh, chose gosh. to, um, back me off of that. <laughs> and, and a good and friend, said, why don't we try white ink on top of the black ink? And I was like, well, sure, let's try it. Let's see what happens. And so we did that and it actually takes. So yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of interesting that we, we, figured out a new way of tattooing where if you've got black black huh. ink you can actually tattoo white ink on top of it cool and, and um, so so i've got a lot of stuff and that that's more or less what i've been doing yeah. um it all has meaning significance i've got unscared on my fingers yeah. um you know uh the the a lot of the stuff has been done in my uh kind of transcendence through uh whether it's endurance training or spirituality or whatever you want to call it um that that's more or less where the work comes from is, yeah. is having a great understanding of that stuff. Yeah. And there's also, you know, I've, I've never done a hundred mile race, but I've done some, uh, some fairly long, you know, bike rides and long runs and stuff. And there is, especially I never used headphones or anything, especially, you know, there is a very, I don't, I don't know how to say it. almost a spiritual or a, an extra, I don't know. There's something, it's not, you're not just going for a run. There's something that happens to you. That's not just physiological. I would you agree with that? Yeah, and that that's kind of there, there's a there's a there's a um, quote on my back that's above a totem that I've had created that, that's on my back that um, w- that came out of Joseph Campbell's The Power of Myth, and it more or less says that the only true wisdom lives far from mankind, out in the great loneliness, and can only be reached through suffering. Privation and suffering alone open the mind to all that is hidden to others, and I think that hmm. is that, that was largely my experience with ultra running, especially yeah. the way I like to do it. Um, I, I never liked, I, I was a guy who liked point to point races where you never finished in the same place. So yeah. you never knew where you were going and it was always new, but you're out there alone and you know, you were doing your thing. Yeah. At any rate, that was kind of, that, that, that's been my, my experience with ultra running. Yeah. And I know you have a, the, uh, the sunset with the dolphins kissing on your lower back. That's a really good piece, <laughs> uh, that I like. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have that, people. Don't. Uh, that was a joke. That was <laughs> Brian. Brian, I have a. Uh, I don't have any tattoos, but I have a brand on my shoulder. And let me tell you, you made the right choice, pal. <laughs> that was a terrible idea. Well, well, you know, I mean, it, the, I appreciate that, um, <laughs> but I, I can tell you right now, my arm was probably one of the more um, less thought out decisions that I've had. Um, the recovery on that became my right arm, which is all pretty much blacked out. Yeah. Um, the recovery on that was, was a nauseous, uh, <laughs> nauseous thing. Um, at any rate. Yeah. So good. Yeah. So tat- tattoo talk with Rick, Brian and Mark here. So, yeah. uh, all right. So let's get to your story. How, how did you get to where you are today? And at some point in there, talk about the unscared and kind of how all that started. <laughs> <laughs> That'll take us for a detour, but sure. Yeah. Um, I, I I was a pretty inquisitive kid, uh, very rebellious, um, very anti-establishment, um, and that was from the. I'm talking about four, you know. Um, <laughs> I I was very against the grain. I didn't like being told what to do. I did like to be highly active. I experimented a lot. I was breaking things. I was climbing things. I was doing things, you know, that kids were doing back in the seventies and eighties. Um, you know, uh, I, I didn't come home till the, till after the street lights came on, but the deal was, is I was supposed to be home before they were supposed to be on. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of damage to myself as a kid through BMX, skateboarding, surfing, um, water sports. I've always been in, I, I grew up, I started learning to surf at around eight, um, you know, I, I was bodyboarding, sponging, uh, at like six. Um, oh so I, I was riding waves at a fairly early age, um, and had, had a very large, all that stuff had a very large impact on my life. So board sports were a big, big part of my life. Um, uh, but I, I got into competitive sports at like four and a half. 
um, as my mom was just like did not know what to do with me. So she, so so she took me to the local swim club and put me into the swimming program, and there it was. And I, I swam like a fish, and I did well, and I enjoyed doing well. And uh, you know, I, I climbed that ladder and did that for about 15, 20, and more like twenty years. Um, did a little bit of swimming in college, but called it quits because I just got tired of swimming lane lines. Um, I played water polo a ton. Um, that was kind of, that, that was a, a very big transition for me. Cause I played a lot of youth soccer. I, I played on club teams. I did really well. We won championships. We did things, but I became a very, very physical, um, uh, um, player. And, and I, you know, I, so I, I, I was, I was, my time ran out with soccer to, to how physical you could be before I'd get thrown out of games or, you know, um, <laughs> you know, it just end up in fights or whatever. And, you know, it, it, a, a local coach picked up on, on the behavior, but he knew how good of an athlete I actually was and made the suggestion that I play water polo and that stuck. And, you know, that was what kept me in swimming. That was the only thing that kept me swimming. Um, you know, uh, water polo, when you play water polo, you're kind of expected to do the swimming season as well. So I stayed with that. Um, and those were the things I did through high school and a little bit of college. Um, and, uh, when I got out of high school, uh, my dad got, was at that point getting into powerlifting. And so we had a garage gym where I would go in and learn to lift weights and, 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 you know, started lifting heavy with my friends and we do a lot of stupid shit like, you know, 20 rep back squat sets at like your 10 rep max and, you know, spotting Jeez. each other till we blacked out. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just, just kind of crazy stuff that, you know, it, it, and, and the only reason I'm saying all this is because it, it, it really has had a profound effect on like, if you look back on all that to where I'm at now and what it is I'm doing now, it's, it's basically the exact same thing. It's just right. at a different level. It's, it's with different stuff. And so I had, I had a background in a lot of different things um, and wound up on the nine-year plan in school not knowing what I wanted to do and just doing what everybody else was kind of doing trying to figure it all out. Um, and I was in and out partying and, and you know hanging out with friends and traveling and doing a bunch of and I just nothing stuck. So, uh, you know, about like, I don't know, six or seven years into this thing, I, I, I take an exercise science class just on a whim, uh, get, get an A in it. And I'm like, you know, teacher's pet. Um, <laughs> and you, you know, I, I just, uh, sorry about that. Oh, you're good. Um, I, um, you know, I, I, I just continued to thrive within inside the exercise science world and, and, and loved it. And I was like this pinnacle student. And then lo and behold, you know, a year and a half into this program, I'm, I'm, I'm literally questioning everything they're doing and, and, and wondering why we're doing leg extensions and doing some basic stupid, you know, exercises that they, you know, deemed protocol to do to, to, to you know, for things. And so I started just questioning everything and lo and behold, ended up you know, exiting the program because I just didn't agree with what was being tested. Um, granted, you know, you've got certain things that, you know, you need a background in. I've had AMP, I've had anatomy AMP, I've done all the hard stuff, but I, 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 I essentially found myself in a physical therapy clinic, uh, working to, as an, as a, as a physical therapy assistant, learning from the ground floor, uh, what it meant to be a physical therapist, um, and found out in about nine months that that was absolutely not what was going to be <laughs> yeah. for, that was not going to be for me. Um, at the same time I was, I, I was, you know, I was desperate to make some money. So I started training people, got into the personal training game and the, I'd say three months into that gig. Um, in the first three weeks of that, I was literally a, a trainer at 24 hour fitness at which I almost left the entire training industry because of my experience through that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I started training people on my own and just suffered through trying to build a business on my own and trying to understand things and getting mentored by people. Um, I had met Nicholas Romanoff at this point with Pose Method um, and created a relationship there and, and with several other people at that point um, and found kind of my way. And, and the next thing I knew, I, I, I had no more time in my day because people wanted to train with me because I was doing such unorthodox things, yeah. um, combining different things, whether it was strength training, whether it was body weight training, whether it was just, you know, running. Um, you know, I, I wasn't in, I, I, I guess the, the, the power speed endurance model 
it wasn't wasn't was conceptualized back then, but um, it you know we were doing a lot of longer slow distance stuff. I mean, my first my my iron my only Ironman my uh, Ironman Canada that I did in two thousand four was a long slow distance approach. Yeah. Um, but the irony in it is that I only swam twice a week, and I basically would show up right when the main set at swim practice was happening. Um, and I did a 58 minute Ironman swim. So, you know, it's, it's not that it was profound, you know, but the fact was, is it's like the best part I, you know, that I did in, in my Ironman became the, (laughs) that was like, whoa, what happened? If I spent more time on the bike and the run trying to learn these things and I've been running technique, learning running technique for like the last five years and, you know, like really honing in on things, but yet the, the, the swim was the, was the least I did. Um, it, it was, it was such a profound experience that that was what really catapulted everything. And that, that began the process for finding a different way. Yeah, and I know like you, you talk about doing things unorthodox. I know there was an article recently uh, published. I can't remember where it was, but there was an article about how you are, are this controversial figure because you're telling marathon runners to run less, not more, and and you know and to to be strong and not to you know do, do some of these big functional movements and sprint a lot and and reduce when everybody else is saying no more 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 you know and so I I think that's and that's what like when I did all my stuff. You know, I would do, I would do one, and then, I don't know. This is how I did it. This may or may not have been right, but I would do like one uh, swim, bike, run, CrossFit endurance, and then I would do like one longer deal. But I would only do two workouts per discipline per week, um, and then the rest of the time I was in the gym getting, you know, trying to get strong. And so, well, and I'll say the same thing, Mark. From my personal experience, I'm not exactly a super, you know, endurance athlete. I've went run one marathon. And looking back on, I'd like to do another one if I get some more time or whatever. But I would be, I would have been greatly benefited by spending more time working on leg strength and muscle strength and things like that than I, uh, if I would have spent less time running and more time doing that. Because what I found when I time came to run, my lungs were fine, my endurance was fine. I could run, run and run and run, but uh, I feel like I was hampered by uh ignoring leg strength and muscle strength for such a long time because i was so focused on mileage yeah that's funny rick because i i literally bring that statement up (laughs) almost anywhere i talk about endurance and i'm like so at the end of a marathon are you out of breath or do you do your legs hurt yeah (laughs) and and everybody goes legs hurt and i go so is that aerobic conditioning issue or a strength and conditioning issue and everybody just kind of looks blankly and I'm like, you don't know, do you? Yeah. And they're like, no. <laughs> and, and it's like, yeah, you don't. But you're just following what what everybody's doing based off of misinformation. Like, yeah. no, no elite level marathoner got to where they got by running long, slow distance for marathons from the get go. Yeah. You take a look at Ryan Hall's career. Look where he started. He wasn't running marathons. Wasn't like Look eight, at Gabriel Slossy, who's yeah. arguably the greatest distance runner of our time. He was he was literally running three thousand meters, fifteen hundred meters, you know, and then jumped to five k. Was a world champion, ten k world champion, half marathon world champion, marathon world record holder. Like it, yeah. it, it was a process through a career, and nobody wants that. Everybody wants. It, what the what the end of the rainbow is like everybody wants to make millions of dollars but nobody wants to do what it takes to make millions no of dollars no one wants to take the trash out like when they're they yeah. started their own business they want to just go exactly. ahead and have people that they hire to take the trash out like no you got to put some work in you know before you can hire well, people <laughs> it's so you know and i mean kelly starrett and i talk about this all the time and so many people including people we've mentored or even work with right now they've been they've been given this this path that we've kind of forged out that we really worked our ass off and, and suffered and, and did things to get to where we're at. And they have no real comprehension of understanding what taking that trash out is like. Yeah. And what, and if you think you're going to do what Kelly Starrett has done, you're, you're, you're sadly mistaken. You're going to need to do something different. Like if you think you're going to do what I've done, you're sadly mistaken. You're right. going to have to do something different to be more impactful. Like you're going to have to create something different, bigger, better than what I've done. 
and and I'm not saying that it can't happen. It is happening. People are doing it. But you're it not going to. But you're not going to get there by just like starting a YouTube channel, which is what a lot of people think will happen. Exactly. But, yeah. Well, exactly. It's like it, it's like you know, and I'm not I'm not trying to bring anybody down, but it's it's just this copycat thing to where you know, hey, I'm just going to buy a lottery ticket and hope I'm going to get the lottery. Right. Yeah. How many of those people end up broke? Yeah, every one of them. <laughs> It, and it's just that this concept has, has has eluded us, and we don't understand what happiness really is. And and that's essentially that was you know the premise of my story of here's how I grew up, here's who I am now. I'm still doing the same. Right. I'm still testing things. I'm still screwing around. I'm still coming home when the lights. Well, actually, I'm going to bed when the lights are off. But I'm up before you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm up screwing around with new things. I'm doing you know. I'm really doing the same things. You know, and I, I, I got. I was very, very fortunate that I came and found this thing called CrossFit, and and saw what I saw with it. And and I saw this thing that was was that was is arguably the greatest diagnostic for human movement that I've ever seen, and 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 it, 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 when something else be- when something better comes along, I'll, I'll be quick to 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 give it that you know same analogy. But the fact was, the fact is, is that's what I found, and and I was open and I communicated with you know Greg Glassman at that time when I found this thing, and. I was letting him know what I was doing and he was very open to allowing me to come in and to share that with his community. And he gave me a platform to do that, which is where I met, you know, Kelly, um, you know, and, and Kelly and I, and this is kind of where unscared came, came to fruition. That was was, what I was going to ask you about. The first time Kelly and I met. Yeah, we, we were in orange County at the orange County fire authority. We were both doing teaching at a level one. Um, I was a subject matter expert being brought in to teach running mechanics. And Kelly was, there to talk about the shoulder and he'd just gotten his doctorate. Um, and he, t- they brought him up and he started talking about the shoulder and I've heard a lot of people talk about the shoulder. I, I I've, you know, I, I, I've been in and around physical therapy, um, you know, chiropractors, um, you know, you name it physios. I've been around them all. Um, and, 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 and nobody was talking about the human body like Kelly was. And he made it so that the world so that people could understand what was happening. And everybody, and this is a, this is a big, big thing. Like, this is a very important thing for, the re- for anybody listening to this to, to grasp, is that the more complicated you make it for the rest of humanity... You guys there? Yep. Yeah, we're here. Sorry. No, you're fine. Uh... Uh, so, so the easier you make it for humanity to understand from a basic concept of, of what we're trying to communicate, the better off we are. The more complicated you make that, that is just it. You're going to, you're gonna, you're gonna make a big, big, uh, a hole for people to even want to get involved in anything. Yeah. And so I, I heard this and Kelly and I hit it off and we went to dinner at, with, uh, Greg and Dave and everybody. And we were at this dinner and there was uh, talk of, of endurance athletes because I was the new endurance guy. And Dave chimed in and was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of endurance stuff, but I, you know, I have a big problem with the, 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 the cycling, uh, the cycling guys and those arm warmers that they wear. <laughs> And, and everybody just kind of stopped and it was just an odd statement. And he's like, yeah, if you wear cycling, cycling, uh, if you wear arm warmers, you're, and and he he didn't mean that necessarily in a derogatory. He was just like, he was being a, you know, he was being Dave. And, and so Kelly kind of perked up and tilted his head to the side and, and was like, well, Dave, I have a gym in, in San Francisco and his gym at the time was in a parking lot. And I, I, wake up in the morning and I go and I coach at 6 a.m. And that it, it's cold. So I wear arm warmers <laughs> and I wear the arm warmers because I take them off later in the afternoon when it gets warm. And he goes, but I'm not gay. <laughs> and so, so Dave literally just started laughing and everybody started laughing. And so I had a connection in the apparel industry and I went and had pink arm. And, and so Kelly basically said, after that statement, he goes, hey, so what I'm going to do, Dave, is I'm going to get a pair of pink arm warmers. I'm going to get the words unscared written on them, and I'm going to 
get, and I'm going to wear them. And because I'm unscared of you, Dave Castro. <laughs> and so we had those made and sent to Kelly and that was where it was all born. Oh my gosh. That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. I, I see. I have two daughters. And so when I was doing all those races, I would always have, uh, I had black and white striped or black and pink striped arm warmers. And then I had pink arm warmers that I wore like in honor of my daughters, you know? Um, so I've got, yes. and they still play around with them and stuff. And I had no idea about any of that. So look at me, I'm cool. Hmm. Uh, I yep, didn't even, there you go, bro. Didn't even know Scared. it. Scared. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, okay, so let's talk about um, with the time that we have left. I know, like the the training masks are the are the thing that like you see some NFL guys are starting to train with this stuff and more endurance guys. Uh, so, kind of explain what that is to the folks. That, Rick, do you even know what I'm talking about when I say the training? Yeah, masks? yeah, yeah. They, they, they look like a Bane from uh, yeah. the Batman. Movie. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The goofy looking masks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So explain those. Why Why are people starting to to use those? Um, so I was given one a few years ago and when I was given it, I kind of balked at it. Um, and, and was just like, whatever. Um, and you know, I, I, I kind of laughed and, you know, I, I know from my experience that when I do that, I, you know, that that's a reactive response in thinking I know something about something right. that I have yet to actually experiment or play with. Rick does that a lot. Um, let, I was let about all, to say, I do that all, all the time. <laughs> yeah, let all the listeners absorb that comment. Right. <laughs> uh, that, that said, we all do it, um, but the internet has created a place to where we think that our opinion really matters. And, and so people largely like to comment on their opinion on things versus actually doing it. And I was, you know, I've been one of those people. I, I'm, I'm admittedly saying yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I knew at this point in my career that when I do that, it's, it's, a, it's time for me to actually go put the damn thing on and see what I can get out of it. Right. So I put it on and immediately noticed there was a change in my breathing pattern. Um, it, it, I also started to notice you know, uh, there was better motor control happening and, and my ability to draw from my diaphragm so, while I was stable. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I started experimenting with it and it just literally figured out a bunch of different ways, um, ways that people weren't actually looking at this mask. Um, most people just put it on and go and work out. Yeah. Um, we figured out that doing that, just going out, going out and working out with it is one thing, but understanding that it can be used in different manners, like using it for a warm up prior to actually training will actually have greater benefits. Um, and that using it during recovery periods will actually have greater benefits for you. Huh. Um, it, it, like it'll speed up recovery. Um, it'll, you know, your, your CO2 adaptation phase will get better. Um, your, your ability to process CO2 will change, um, which is a, which any human being wants to do that. So especially like, you know, think asthma. So that's inability to process CO2. Um, and that, that's that claustrophobic feeling you get when and anytime you need to breathe. So if you just go and hold your breath right now and that, that, the first response of when it's, you, you know, your body says breathe, that, that is CO2 accumulating and your body's not processing it very well where you have a free diver or somebody who, who processes really, really well or a high level swimmer and they, they don't have that same response. They can hold their breath much longer than you can. So I started picking up on all this stuff and lo and behold got connected to training masks to some degree and said hey i kind of figured some things out and so we we forged a relationship and so i started producing some content for them and getting involved with them and i'm kind of their right hand guy on 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 the realities of what's going on and this is the the train is it just trainingmask.com is that the place that yes okay yeah i'm gonna put that in the show notes yeah yep Cool. And, yeah, and if anybody wants to try it out, they can use BMAC, B-M-A-C-K, for a discount code. I think that's a lot. I think they still have that. B-M-A-C-K. I may, I might, hmm. uh, I'm the kind of guy that if anyone that I, you know, respect in the field, like, you know, like a Tim Ferriss or somebody says, like, hey, these shorts are pretty cool. I'm like, okay, I'll buy them, I guess. So that's well, let me ask you what this. I'll do. I, I, like, I'm yeah. obviously not a high-level athlete, and I'm not competing. I'm not doing anything like that, just trying to, to be a healthy person benefit like is that something that i should look into or is this really maybe like along the lines of you know people who are competing in in events 
anything I do involves the human race. So yeah, if if the fact is 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 anything that benefits a normal person benefits mm-hmm. an elite level athlete yeah, and it, vice versa. Yeah, okay. and it's also Rick. It's kind of that point we make about like if it's good or bad for like a pregnant woman. Right, like it's good, probably good for everybody, you know, like or yeah, how to make or how to make saying. or how to make them pregnant. Is that where you're going with that? Uh, we can talk more about that if yeah. you want. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it absolutely is. Just, just even like, like just using it with some with some maybe some apnea training, you know, exercises where you're doing like breath hold work or ex, you know, you you do a slow controlled inhale, a controlled breath hold and a slow controlled exhale, it will help with that because it's resistance. And the, and, and the irony here is that there is research coming out as I'm talking, finding out the exact same things we started finding out three years ago. Huh. And, and, and that's how it all works. It doesn't, research doesn't come before the experiment. Research comes after the experiment. Yeah, right, right. And, yeah. and so, okay. you know, it, most people are looking to base their decisions off of what research is doing. And just so we're all aware, you're probably five to 10 years behind what, what is actually going on if you're doing that. Well, Hmm. Brian, there's a lot of stuff that I wanted to get to like fundamental positions. I wanted to talk to you about the shoe cue and about all this other stuff, but, but we're coming up on time and there's one question that I have to ask all new Yes, and we're going to get to that after you tell us where everyone can find you. You are it's at I am unscared on Twitter, uh, Power Speed Endurance. Like, what where are all the places that people can find you? Yeah, Twitter, Power Speed Endurance, which is PWRSPD Endurance, um, and I at I am unscared on Instagram and um, Twitter. Um, I've got a Facebook fan page, um, and then XPT Life is the stu- is, is where we're really where where most of the things that I'm involved in right now is at. And that is I've got this um, just XPTLife.com, yeah. And there's also an Instagram uh, yes. XPT Life as well, yes, uh, which I yep. followed here recently. So I think yeah, I'm. I don't know, Rick. I'm probably gonna get one of the, <laughs> one of the yeah. training masks. I can do a pair. Oh yeah, you're about it. I gotta get one of those. <laughs> The, X, the XPT life stuff is really geared towards like understanding recovery for elite level athletes and then basically real life decisions on how to how, like long game type thinking for general population. Like those of us who aren't being paid to be a professional athlete, those of us who have jobs, those of us who have kids and we're actually involved in those things, yeah. <laughs> that is what XPT life is really for. Awesome. Um, and, okay. and, and it really, we get into a lot of the heat, cold therapy, breathing stuff we're into. Um, and then the training stuff where we're pushing people to be more involved with nature, um, and, and to really be thinking about, you know, uh, um, uh, other ways of training other than in the gym. Yeah. So Rick, I, uh, I use the gym. I mountain bike and I take cold showers. So there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So okay, Brian, we're, com- we're up on the- we're up on the last question, and that is this, and it doesn't have to have anything to do with anything we talked about. What is one thing you enjoy about life, or something you do to make life more enjoyable? Um, spend time with my wife and more time with my wife and friends. Awesome. That's it. That'll do it. Well, you know, being such a, you know, a, a- and I definitely made out. Too. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and we're going to talk to Aaron, your wife, a two time gold medalist, Olympic gold medalist in rowing. And it's just, it seems pretty fitting that you are someone that's like, you know, you burst forth from the water and that you married a rower. I think that's, uh, you can't get any better than that. Somebody who sat on top of the water. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, Brian, I really, really appreciate your time and Aaron's time. Uh, I know you guys were uh, being very uh, gracious with scheduling this and getting it getting it done. So I really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on sometime in the near future. Great. Thanks, guys. You're listening to the Simply Human Podcast. Thank you, Brian. And uh, we mentioned everywhere that you could go find him. Please do that. He is a really smart person and uh, is just doing great things. So, and all of his books are great as well. I'm sure we talked about them. Time travel talk. Um, several shows ago, I mean, like the maybe like the first 20 shows we had Jeremy on. Okay, that's not several. That's a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of those things that you that we talked about, my wife and I, 
getting in arguments over is like the being very vague about things. Um, by the way, she got very mad at me this morning when she went to pick, no kidding when she went to pick up uh, our son from daycare. Uh, the way she put it, I believe she said he looked like a little homeless man. Uh, because I failed to brush his hair. He was wearing shoes that were like four sizes too big. Okay, very, very, very <laughs> quickly. Does it, you have a son and you have two daughters. Yeah. I have two sons. Yeah. Does it matter that his clothes match? No. Because like, I'll reach in the drawer for the boys no. and I'll get like a pair of shorts because it's warm outside right. and a t-shirt. And a t-shirt. They don't need to coordinate. Correct. And Anna's always like just whipping my rear end about yeah. like, this doesn't match. I'm like, no. they're boys. They're not supposed yeah. to match. And just wait till like one of our daughters like dresses herself and she wears like striped pants and polka dot shirts and... I can understand like, maybe for girls because it's different, but like if you come... If you're like... In second grade, and you like perfectly coordinate every day. You'll look weird. Yeah, well, it's so much easier for boys. Like nothing, what I wear matches. Yeah, but I he, don't have to match. So Hope, when I, my middle daughter put the put socks on him, and they were socks that were way too big and, and like bright pink and purple. <laughs> and then he had on these shoes, these hand me downs that he's probably not gonna be able to wear for another couple of years. And his, you know, he didn't match, and his hair was all crazy. I think he might have just been parent of the year, Mark Rogers, for yeah, so. letting his daughter dress his son instead of yeah. him doing it himself. So, hey, uh, why don't you make whip up some dinner? Help. <laughs> Rice cakes and peanut butter. Fire up that stove. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so she was mad at me for that. Um, so Jeremy, uh, he came on and told a story about when he ran like a race, a five k or a ten k, and he cut. And didn't really. I mean, he knew he was cutting, but then, like, when he got back onto the course, oh, he, yeah, he, he realized that he was like in first place, and he like ran across the finish line like he had won the race. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, a really, really good one. I forgot about. That yeah, one. so he was actually yes, he listens to the show, and he heard our series on uh, ball sack injuries, and he, and he <laughs> our long running series. <laughs> yeah, and he texted me, and he was like, "Hey, I think I have something to to add to that series." So here's Jeremy. Jeremy is on the on the line. And who was that? And actually, Sorry, that was Rob. I was, well, uh, I was telling him to be silent. Simply Human Podcast own Rob Bentley, who's been on several times. He's actually at Rick's house right now. Um, yeah, he's here to visit. So I wish we had known that. We could have saved Jeremy for next week and just record with Rob right now, Rick. I, let's do it. I'll, I'll call you later. I'd like to talk to Jeremy. No, no, no. I'd like to talk to Jeremy because he is important to me. We've already we, and we've already like built you way up, and then and then in the outro, we've already recorded it, and I say that was a terrible story, and Rick was like, "No, I don't think it was," and I was like, "Well, you better wait because it's pretty bad." <laughs> um, so how do we even set this up? Well, let's set it up like this, Rick. Do your yes. boys, or when you were a boy with your older brother, were y'all? Did y'all ever go through a phase where you would like throw things at each other's? ball sacks uh yeah i'm still currently going through that right now okay a great sense of humor to me is to throw things at other guys nuts then you're gonna like the story go jeremy (laughs) great setup i couldn't have set it up more better myself (laughs) unbelievable so Hmm. i meant when i was in college uh i was sitting in a room with about four or five other guys and we were in a room, had a couple of couches, a couple of just lazy boy recliners or whatever. And we're just sitting around the room talking, hanging out. And somebody had a baseball. And at <laughs> one point in the middle of hanging out, he let baseball fly, aiming for a junk across the room. A junk. And <laughs> narrowly missed hitting the inside of the leg very close. And everybody thought it was the funniest thing. And that's how this whole thing got started and when i say this whole thing i'm talking it progressed and grew over the next couple of years it seems like a thing we're like aha that was funny don't ever do it again and we never did it again there was like there was like a minor league system that was that was what's called blast ball which we didn't have when i was little but it's the dumbest baseball game ever for really little kids Huh? And that's what that was. And that was the start of something great. So It was the I, shot I, heard around the world. <laughs> absolutely. So we uh, developed kind of that night a little game where we would say somehow it was, hey, do it to me. Or, hey, do it to some. I'm going to do it to you. I'm going to throw it. And you have to try to not flinch. If you flinch, then 
I get to do it again. And I feel, is this not a, hmm. a universal, because my brothers and I did this when we were growing up. We would sit in the hallway with like a, like a, a little, like a mini soccer ball with our legs spread and like you couldn't, you couldn't flinch. And I would like roll it down the hall yeah. and try to hit. Yeah, I didn't do, we didn't, we didn't do that. We would do like the covert trying to hit the other one in the balls with something when they weren't expecting it. But we never did the, hey, let me hey, hurl this at your testicles and well, see what happens. We we weren't that crazy. We didn't hurl it. There was mm-hmm. there was height requirements. It had to be at least it couldn't oh be a God. line drive. There had to be an arc on it. Now you can <laughs> throw it all, all the way to the ceiling if you wanted, but there had to be an arc. If Wouldn't it was that be worse though? Throw, you could you could catch it, and then that person received a, a shot right at them for free. Yeah. So Did you write down the rules? Oh like my gosh! Yes. Pad? Yes. This, this that night we did not that night it was slow but it literally developed over the course of a couple of years and let me just tell you it ended with yes rules written on a yellow notepad yes score people had people had like batting averages like like you know you're a like a 200 like you know you know whatever like you we had averages so mankind we can do this but we can't cure cancer okay all right (laughs) well important things first Right. right. <laughs> the entertainment well, values. Entertainment saves lives. It's well, no. Right? It, Laughter it, it, saves. This people. is this is evolution's way of trying to get us to stop procreating. <laughs> like, yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> it's evolutionarily trying to like get us to stop overpopulating the planet. Yeah, maybe if they so just punch at, each other in the balls enough. <laughs> at, it, at its prime, there was definitely rules written down rosters with stats and you would have a room with 10 guys playing and 20 guys standing around and every single time we would play there was like a countdown we're playing at x time tonight and there was it, was like it an event. started with a theme song we dear mark, god mark actually wrote a song and everyone knew the he would sing the core the the verse and then everyone would join in for the chorus and it was let me say that's the most mark rogers thing i've ever heard it of, was like that, that was like our national anthem everyone stood up and like put their hand over their <laughs> and, heart <laughs> and that's how we started the barbershop quartet <laughs> yes exactly that's all barbershop so, is a bunch of guys standing around trying to touch each other's nose. Oh, but we we did we did evolve the, the <laughs> the, 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 oh, sorry. Okay, sorry. The, the ball actually evolved too. We 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 did at least get rid of the baseball. Some people we like to know. We moved to oranges. Yeah, and and so and and the the real like what really any better the major leagues of the game which we called crotchet like you like it. Uh, <laughs> yes. The major yeah. the major league level was sitting around. With an with an orange in your boxers, like so there, so you had like no uh, protection at all. Like that was like the the big time. And I never would play because I think I just got oh married when we were doing all this stuff. And so I was like, no, I don't want to destroy. I mean, because you know, what well, we we talked about this, Jeremy. Ninety five out of a hundred throws missed. Oh, easy. But but man, the ones that hit, I mean, there were guys that would epic. like be throwing up like it, oh my gosh. It, it was pretty it was epic. We yeah, truly like are like the worst we truly are the worst species. Oh yeah. You think kangaroos are sitting around doing this? <laughs> hey, like, I, my guess is you're only saying that cuz you weren't part of it. Yep. <laughs> you you just wish you were a part of this. Well, then thing. we were at this one uh like an overnight deal. And there was like bunk beds or triple bunk beds, and so it was like it was like the Coliseum. You had like the the guys in a circle, and then like three stories high around this thing on these bunk beds of like spectators watching this event. Uh, and I guess yeah, girls probably they don't sit they, <laughs> girls don't sit around and try to like punch each other's boobs, do they? Yeah, Mark, girls just sit around Indian style in a circle, punching each other in the boobs. <laughs> Is there pictures of this? <laughs> okay, let's get, let's get to the story. That's that's it. That's it. That's the story. Yeah, just like we used to sit around and do this. Oh, I thought like somebody like uh, suffered some severe ball uh, trauma. No. Oh, there there was some of that, but we don't need to talk specifics. It's just the greatness of the game. Yeah, yeah. There there were, and then <laughs> you did it for the love of the game. <laughs> well, there <laughs> there were also a couple of guys, and I don't know. All the we've lost all the women listeners, which is all of our listeners. But there were a couple guys that were particularly 
oh, how shall I say, well endowed? Harder to miss. <laughs> and they and they would they would go sans boxers, and then it really got crazy. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> it was Bunch almost... of guys sitting around in a college house with no pants on. Smashing each other in the ball. Yeah, it was almost like it was unfair because they had such this large shield around the. <laughs> but the what was what was great is as the inventors oh of the game, there came a point where we didn't have to play anymore. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like owning your own business. You, just, <laughs> you, have, you, have, you have people for that. Yeah, you have people to take the trash out and clean up the <laughs> bathrooms. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I, we are we are just about out of time. Jeremy, thank you uh, for coming on. This is this has been the conclusion of our series on nut trauma. How about, well, how about bye. that? All right. We'll talk soon. People already hung up. Are you still there, Rick? Somehow I accidentally hit mute during. Oh, so uh, Jeremy is the king of whenever you're talking to him on the phone. Like it's why I love talking to him on the phone because he won't. It's not like, all right, well, we'll talk to you soon. All right, we'll tell your mom hi. Tell da da da. He just goes, okay, bye, and he just hangs up. It's the most, <laughs> it's the greatest way to to hang up the phone conversation. All right, that was Jeremy and Crotch it like you like it. Thank you, Jeremy, for that awful story. And very we haven't recorded with Jeremy yet, so I know what it is. I will though. go on a limb and say that it's a good story. Yeah, well, you just wait. Not, not a, like a feel-good story, but yeah, just a, I know. A funny okay, story. yeah, you're gonna you're gonna want to re-record this uh, after we talk to Jeremy because time travel talk. I know what he's gonna tell. Um, here, okay, this is now time for the tip of the week. Something you can start doing today to become a more healthy human. Uh, this is an article from the New York Post uh, in the Living section by Dory Lewak. Hmm, name. Mm-hmm. Here's how to prevent your doctor from killing you. It says, forget that delicious double cheeseburger killing you. Odds are your doc will do you in. A Johns Hopkins study released last week revealed that errors made by medical practitioners are the third leading cause of death in the country, accounting for 250,000 fatalities a year right behind heart disease. That's astonishing, by the way. That's I mean, a, like, is that real? Yes. And this is, I've, I've seen these That's stats. That's astonishing. This is a, a recent study, but they've done, in the last 10 years, they've, this number's been. Well, I know you used to work at a hospital, so you were kind of like you weren't a doctor, God forbid. Yeah, well, you played doctor all the time. Yeah, you just walk in with your white coat. I could pretend <laughs> and a hacksaw. <laughs> I could pretend like I was a do- I was a doctor. I could talk like a doctor. Like I said, trachea. You played earlier. doctor and you played doctor in your van in the parking lot. I did. Um, <laughs> and well, I'm sorry, I've derailed you. I've derailed. Well, you. I love you know. God bless doctors and physicians. I have many that are my friends and family, and, and it's good good for them. The, the, the tip of the week here is that to take control of your health, basically, is the, is the message of this article and, and the tip of the week. So okay. it says, that, continuing on, luckily, medical errors, including surgery snafus, misdiagnoses, and incorrect prescriptions can be avoided by taking control of your health. So, I mean, hmm. it's like it's... there. There are going to be like I have a friend uh, who's a surgeon who we've we've had this talk before. It's like surgeons aren't perfect, right? They're humans. Yeah. Like they're like you follow a surgeon for a year, you're going to find a mistake. There's going to be a mistake, and that's not just surgeons. That's any doctor, any any employee, any anything on earth. Yeah. You're going to make a mistake, and and so like th- knowing that those things are going to happen, if you take control of your health. And and that's not to say that if you have like you know uh, what is this new virus that's going around the Zika virus the Zika virus to just be like oh I'm gonna take control of the Zika virus and stay home like obviously if you have you know if your arms hanging off after you get it caught in a cotton gin like go see a doctor but caught in a cotton gin <laughs> what I don't... yeah the 1850s <laughs> podcast. I think the point you're trying to make is like there's some things that are unavoidable. You have to have medical intervention right. for some things. Like if you get in a massive car crash and crack your skull open. Yeah. But like if you take possession of your own health and try to keep yourself in good health and prioritize that, you're less likely to need a doctor for something. Right. Things. You are exposed so the, to the, that so risk like less. The fewer times you can go to the doctor, yes. the better it is for you. Right. Right. And that's not just saying like be a cowboy, be a John Wayne and never go to the doctor. We're just saying the fewer times that you get sick, the better it is for you, obviously, because if you have human beings intervening with what's going on in your body, 
there's always a chance for error. Correct. Yeah. So there, there you go. go. Take control of your health. Uh, it, I chose that article over the for head- your health. <laughs> over the headline, uh, I almost went with this article. The headline out of Men's Health, which was why you should ejaculate at least twenty-one times this month, according to science. Thank well, you, uh, Men's Health. May tenth, and oh, already there. What do I do next? Doc? <laughs> Jeez. Thank you, Men's Health, for that unbelievable headline. Um, all right. That is going to do it for this edition of the Simian Podcast. Oh, don't say and remember yet because I need to say Oh, yeah, you almost got me. So Aaron McKenzie, Brian's wife, is coming on the show. Uh, We've got some folks, and I've reached out to some people. Um, We are... I think we're booked out until like I, mean, I know I know we were going to do an Everyman series like in July. That might have to wait until August because I think we're booked pretty well through July now. Um, so this is some pretty exciting stuff. Uh, Kevin Geary is coming back on. A guy named Travis Thomas is coming on who wrote this really cool. That is article. not a real name. Travis Thomas. Yes, it is. Nope. Fake name. Uh, Fake name. Fake name. <laughs> Kate Galliette is coming back on here very soon. Um, so we've got a lot of cool things. Actually, in May, there is a fifth Monday. So I'm thinking about, Rick, what do you think about doing another Best of Humans Being Human? Well, you have to show. do all the work, so it doesn't well, matter to me. So, but uh, you, I, I don't, I mean, I'm, we need to play the Urban Prank Call. That needs to be on there. Um, God, so much fun. And I'll put in I'll put in three or four more really good Humans Being Humans that weren't on the last Best of, and we'll just do that. Put in the one that the original one that Jeremy did about the cutting in line and the race. Okay. All right. That's, that's a really good one. I forgot all about that yeah. one. Awesome. Um, all right. So go to the website, simplyhumanlifestyle.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram, Periscope, Twitter. All that stuff is at simplyhuman52. At rbitly3032 is, is Rick's Periscope. He promises to do more. Uh, my dog's getting his stitches out tomorrow, so that's good news. Um, everything that we, we say, we say at the beginning, too. So we really appreciate you listening. We know that there are a lot of uh, options out there. Good gracious, Rick is under attack. Uh, <laughs> Sound of flooring being done. Oh, friend. I thought you were storming the castle. Um, that was a sword sword fighting. Um, so that's gonna that's gonna do it for this edition of the Sam Human Podcast. And remember, it also set fire to the gerbil's fur and whiskers, which in turn ignited a larger pocket of gas further up the intestine, propelling the rodent out like a cannonball. <laughs> I'm again. <laughs> So until next time, enjoy yourself.